We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you to follow me on Twitter. And it's Monday, January 2nd on the new year. It may be a new year, but you know what we do on Mondays regardless of what year it is. It's Mondays with McCool. James McCool, the co-author with me on the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. And I, I even have a little banner thing on the bottom that I even, even made. I'll put it up, right? I'll, 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 I'll do I'll, I'll do a little work instead of Devin back here. Uh, you'll also see on the banner, if you have any questions for the show, if you're not here live, especially if you're not in the YouTube chat, feel free to email them in questions at theoryofdfs.com. We'll see like Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays primarily. We'll basically be going over anything you want to talk about when it comes to DFS strategy with the tools here at Roto Grinders. Anything you want, even if we're going to repeat ourselves multiple times, allows for some unstructured learning here on the show. Hit that thumbs up button. I see all you guys in the YouTube chat. Chime in whenever you want. Jay Simmons, good morning. Wataz, Trevor, Quick Start, Card Fan, 
Jupocalypse. Jason Snellers don't has don't have to work today, so I can actually watch watch live. That was supposed to be the word live, but whatever. Defix asking a question about the showdown, which is uh, which I did not play yesterday, but uh, the the construction that you're talking about, like as far as like RB one, tight end one, all that type of stuff, it all really depends on the pricing and the teams, right? It's not something that you just go blindly buy. Like, well, you can't play. You have to play the wide receiver one with the wide receiver three. Like, it, it, that that's that's all. It's really, really dependent. Tight end one, Kelsey is different than tight end one, you know, Jelani Woods or something, you know, something like that. But uh, we can talk about showdown stuff uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But, James, you're here with me today. Uh, I, pl- I didn't play FanDuel yesterday, but I played DraftKings, did fine in cash, and just basically got my got my head kicked in in GPPs, even though it seemed like it should be a good GPP week because so much of the chalk failed. But that doesn't help me when all of my lineups typically have like some semblance of the chalk in some regard. Uh, yeah, Justin Jefferson. Boy, what happened there? One for 15. Uh this was a weird week where like, if you went off the board, you probably did well, but you really had to navigate land. Like you had to build a lineup that would have projected like 15 to 20 points lower than everyone else's. And I wasn't, I mean, obviously I'm focused more on smaller field stuff, at least midfield or whatever. Uh, I, I wasn't able, I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to pull that off. Yeah. I, I don't know. This this is a weird week. I think that because I, I'm like you, we we both know how to build lineups. We know there's a lot of balance that has to be had when you're building out lineups, especially NFL lineups. Um, and I I ate pieces of chalk surrounding low owned pieces. Uh, one major pivot that I made was DeAndre Swift over Brian Robinson. I thought that especially after Justin Jackson got ruled out, it was like, all right, well. Might as well just take another shot and try to get the flop lag on DeAndre Swift after he's. But you're just trying to get back to even, actually. Yeah. How do I make my money back? Well, yeah, he cost me like 40 grand last week. So, you know, might as well try to get it back this week. Um, And so I was like, yeah, all right, I'll I'll be, I'll have DeAndre Swift in two of my lineups. I'll have Brian Robinson another, uh, which was great. Um, But. (laughs) <laughs> the the other pivots that I made, like I, I had a Chicago stack where I had Justin Fields with Cole Komet, and I also added in Chase Claypool, who's only 2% owned. Like, that's great. And then I surrounded a lot of that with chalk. Um, people think that when the chalk fails, it's a great week for GPPs, but don't realize that most really good GPP players eat what they consider to be the good chalk and then surround it with high leverage plays as well it's really hard to build lineups that avoid all of the chalk and have it look really good. And that's coming from somebody who like my projection set is known for being a bit off the board. So even my, and and, and also I just want to interrupt for a second, instead of saying avoid all the chalk, I think it's better to say avoid all the highly projected players that happen to be owned. Okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you told me like, let's use the extreme example, James. If I told you yesterday that Richie James was going to be 96% owned and yeah. you didn't play him, like you probably shouldn't play a lowly projected Richie James for that's 90. Like, like there's a difference between, I, I hate using the term chalk because people think high owned is bad. Sure. It's like, well, high owned is like typically higher projected 
at least point sure. per dollar wise types of players that you you probably if you're avoiding all of them you're playing lineups that are much lower projected and also it depends on what the delta between like the good projected plays and the bad projected plays this wasn't one of those slates where like some guys were like dramatically you know more than anything else but they were significant enough that I mean, like at the running back position, like if you played some, if you played at least one of Robinson or Etienne or Al Algier or who else, Barkley or McCaffrey, like well, yeah, that's about it as far as ownership. Like if you played one of the, like, I don't think you did anything wrong. I mean, it was just yeah, you're gonna play two running backs, possibly three. Like why? Why wouldn't you be playing the better projected ones in general? But typically in those lineups, you may not be playing Amon Ross St. Brown. Right. You may not be playing Evan Ingram. You may not be playing Garrett Wilson or Greg right. Dorch or something like that. So, like, the problem comes yeah, in is that, well, well, if I'm not going to, let's say I have a lineup where I'm playing uh, uh, James Con, like maybe James Connor, Dalvin Cook, and it's like, uh, well, maybe I'll play Garrett Wilson in that lineup, right? Yeah. Right, like it's like okay, well, I'm not playing Amon Ross St. Brown. I have like, I'm playing a Mari. I'm playing a uh uh like a Mari Cooper or something in another wide receiver slot. It's like, it's like okay, well, I could I could eat Garrett Wilson in the utility or something like that. Yeah, and then when I, he puts up four point eight points concept. with eleven targets, you just have to just throw your hands in the air and go whatever. I talked about that concept uh, sometime last year on this show about the cost of ownership. Like not only are you building lineups using the cost of the salary and you have to stay within a certain salary cap, but you also have to take into consideration the cost of the ownership that you're eating. Um, and that's that's something that I noted as well in the uh, in the article that I wrote over on the site is um, regarding the San Francisco 49ers defense, where the San Francisco 49ers defense is in a great spot, supposedly in a great spot, right? And they were underpriced and everything like that. And we've talked about defense before. It's like you can play the 49ers defense. There's nothing wrong with that. They project well. They're they're good. They're underpriced. But you need to be reticent of the cost of the ownership that you're adding to your lineup. You know, you don't play the 49ers defense with a Bears or with a Detroit stack uh with Garrett Wilson. Like you don't you don't do that because that just makes your lineup way too you don't have enough relative value in your lineup one way or another. So right. I mean, you um, could do that if you could find some one percent, two percent. Yeah, but but I mean, that's, that's guys, but most likely the, the com the combinatorics of that like block, right? It's just that it's 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 less likely that you'll be able to have a relative value advantage over a portion of the lineups that you sh that you want to. Right. Yeah. So the it's cat agrees. Even... The cat is uh, the cat is agreeing. Yeah, 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 Meredith agrees. Um, she's been very needy lately. So when when we went on vacation for Christmas, just off on a tangent here. When we went on vacation, obviously this is off on a tangent unless unless Meredith has some DFS advice. She does not. Uh, she's just being very needy. Uh, when we went on vacation, uh, we were gone for like a week, and we never leave them for that long. I never leave the house. Like my job is super demanding, so um, we left the house for like six days. And ever since Meredith will not let me work for more than about an hour before coming in here and laying down in front of me, I have to move my keyboard. It is very annoying, but it's also very cute. She's very cute. And, uh, and it is what it is. So anyway, now, now that we're back to DFS stuff, um, when, uh, when you're building out those things, yeah, chalk, chalk is a bad way to put it. The high owned high projected players. If you avoided all of them, 
you're right. You're like, you probably did pretty well this week outside of like Christian McCaffrey. But, Etienne, uh, Etienne was 25%. I mean, I think yeah, he, I was, did, the, he was the shot guy that actually worked. Yeah, there were a couple guys that did well. But if you, for the most part, avoided all the highly projected and also highly owned players, yeah, you probably had a pretty good week. But why would you do that? If you were using a projection set, then why would you do that? You know, uh, so I, I think that people look at weeks like this and they say, oh, well, this, this was a this was a great week for GPP players. And it's like, no, this is a great week for people who play GPPs and don't use projections. Because like, if you use projections, you probably ended up on a lot of the high owned players. Um, right. We take yeah. a look here. Like I'm, I'm just going through just a milli. Which you know we have some fun 150 maxers, so like just going through like the top top 50 lineups. What is this top uh, top hundred lineups? How many lineups in the top hundred? And remember, we have probably several hundred that 150 max the the yeah. milli, right? So we're not talking about like oh, only 34 150 maxers. No, then maybe like 100, 200, 300. So if we just look at. Who's 150 in here? Here's a 130. I can count a 130. Okay, there's one, two, three, four. That that that's it. I mean, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of. I mean, obviously in the middle, you're gonna see you will see a lot of ones. I mean, you have one, three, one, one, three, one thirty. I mean, I'm assuming if I went through the one the 150 max pool. I maybe twelve percent, maybe even less made money. Oh, I, no, I, really that may not even like should no actually maybe less because look at the payout. Yeah, I mean it's less, a million. Dude. So you, I, you're not I mean, gonna no cash one... as many lineups. Yeah, I mean I could I could see like the well, you know, all the one fifty max just put together that they're maybe four percent made money, three percent. Yeah. I mean, like made money. I mean, just 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 made I mean, mm. look, this is the top one fifty max or the top this payout was what 24 forward or is this the total ROI or is this? Yeah. If we uh, let, let me, let me do this. Okay. We could do this in lineup HQ. Okay. Just to show the point. Okay. So, Oh, the top hundred are all one fifty maxes, right? Right here. Yeah. Cause I'm just sorting by one fifty. So yeah. we have one, two, three, right? Three. I'm just talking about profiting at all. And look, yeah. the highest is like someone made like 2,400. So like one, two, three. I think that's it. I mean that that I think you're right. That's gonna be it. I mean, but let's see how many. Okay, we got another. I think we got okay. Oh, now oh, we got oh. another one. Six, 63. Obviously, this geared up must have ran ran some type of train and some yeah. right. Okay, so that's four, right? So we, we we got four. That's a green number. That's four. Okay, and then we're we're if we just cut it off at 150. Like we're talking about maybe 150 players, right? And typically, if you're playing 150 max, you're more than likely. I mean, you're not going to be able to. You're not going to have a bankroll if you're not good at it. I mean, obviously, there may be some people that are attempting to 150 max and they're negative EV players, and eventually they're not going to be 150 maxing anymore. But if we say that 150, 150 maxers entered the milli and only four profited. I mean that like if you didn't do well in large field GPPs, like like dude need neither did the sharpest players and the the, yeah. the highest guy or person geared up 6320 
probably just ran a train that cashed like a lot, like like min like min cashed a whole bunch of spots on top yeah. of his first one up here. But outside of that, I mean, like, dude, these are people putting three grand in. Look, the average loss is like 60%, 70, 80%, all of this type of stuff. So I'm just using it as the point of when, when people ask me, James, they go like, take a look at, like, how do I study lineups? Because I always say study winning players. Now, there are, there are more detailed ways to study winning players, but the simplest way is to take a look at your lineup set and take a look at your lineup type, right? You're looking like, okay, I play a lineup that had this stack and this thing and this went together. And then just go look at, go to a 150 maxer and take, take a look at what their lineups look like, right? Did they play a whole bunch of the stack that you were playing? Yes. Did they play a, more than their fair share of this like 6% on running back that you thought was under owned? Now, obviously, you want to look at not just more. You want to look at more than one. You want to look at like 10, 20. And then you look and you go, uh, were people over the field on Dalvin Cook? Like if you played Dalvin Cook, and you look through and you go, yeah, yeah, they, they were building Dalvin Cook lineups. Let me take a look at what a Dalvin Cook lineup looks like. It's like, okay, did they have a Dalvin Cook lineup with, uh, you know, uh, whatever, the Sean Watson or whatever, 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 you played something weird. If you see that a lot of the, Sharper players, 150 maxers, have a good, a fair share. They don't have zero. They don't have one. I mean, they may be playing a wide array of stuff. But if you go through and you say, yeah, that they were building these types of lineups. Did they have, oh, this was a the Watson stack. Did they play Brian Robinson in a Watson stack? Well, obviously, because they're playing the commanders. And it's like, oh, that's where they have, that's where they have what? They have Cooper and Robinson correlated. Oh, okay. And then you take a look and you go, did they have, you know, Watson, Cooper, and Joku. And you go, yes, that was the stack with the Robinson bring back. And then you look and you go, did they play, when they played ETN, did they play Cooks across from him? Right? And you look there and you go, well, some of them, some of them have a little bit more than, more Cooks than other. And you look, and you look through and you go, yeah, th this looks like, th this, this seems like that it may not have, a, it may have a different defense. It may have a, a different, you know, because it's hard to duplicate that much. I mean, obviously the winner of the Millie, they did duplicate. Uh, you look through and you go, that type of lineup seems like, I mean, I see it in other places. So that, that, that I must be on the right track. Now you don't care about, did they choose the right players or the right construction? Just, does my lineup look a lot like that? And then if you go down deeper, you can download the entire CSV and with the theory of DFS advanced player tools, just download all the lineups and then just put in your projections and you could into the, into the, like the portfolio trimmer, right? And just put all the lineups there, right? Or put the contest reviewer. We have a, we have a contest to analyzer. And you could just put and see what the project, based on your projections and your ownership or whatever, whatever you have, you aggregate, you use roto grinders, whatever, and see what the, what, what the, what the, what your lineup was projected and owned at and what their lineups were projected and owned at. Now they may have a mix of different like variance types of lineups, some that are very low owned, some that are very high owned, you know, like whatever. But if you're in like the ballpark, then it's like, okay, then I'm, I'm comfortable with, with, with what I was doing. If it's completely like, yeah, I played these two guys and they were 2% owned and I, I thought they were under owned and like, like almost no sharp player has, has any percentage of them? Like you probably have a projection mistake there, right? 
right? Or you just dramatically, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you're taking too many shots, right? You didn't need to go. You need to lose projection for for no reason. And you, once you do that, like, then your mentality, if you lose on a slate, is to do something like what I just showed in Results DB of like, let me take a look at all these 150 maxers or maybe in your contest that you're playing three max 150, look at those three lineups and look at that contest and go, how many actually made money, right? And you go, not many. And it's like, and I'd line up similar to them. So it's your takeaway shouldn't be, I should have done something different. You should be thinking in a mentality of, well, these, here are all these players, and maybe not all of them, right? But most of them that if you had the chance, if I offered you, you know, I was a genie, I came out of the bottle, right? And I offered you, hey, would you like to trade your results for one of these guys' results? Right. Would you like, oh, you know, Brick 75. Would you like, instead of play, you making lineups, do you want Brian to make your lineups? Do you want Squirrel Patrol to make your lineups? And you said, you know, you never have to actually make lineups again in DFS. You just get to play Squirrel Patrol's lineups. You probably would say yes. Right. And then you take a look. Like, let, let's say, let, did, did, did John play Squirrel? No, John didn't play the Millie. Probably played the bigger one. But imagine doing that. Let's let's take a look at like brick, brick play. Yeah, okay. So if you if you would add the option to play Brian Hooper's lineups, brick seventy five, you would have spent three thousand dollars and lost five hundred and twenty. So like on that specific slate, but like overall, would you rather play his line? Yeah, of course. So don't think in terms of like I did something bad, but they also did something bad. It's like no, most likely the sharper players on average, long term are building plus EV lineups. Didn't happen on yesterday's slate. So if your lineups are in the ballpark of their lineups in some regard, like that's the simplest way of reviewing. I'm just going through and seeing. If you're you're playing weird, like I'm playing Desmond Ritter stacks and I'm playing uh, whatever. Brock Purdy, Purdy, IU Kittle with Devontae Adams and you're paying up that way or something like that. No matter what happened in the game, if you take a look at, and you go, I'm going to study like 20 to 30 different players, and you go across on results DB with the compare exposures and everything, and you see Brock Purdy, 0%, 0 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 
No. It's like, well, how do you know that those just happen to be three players that didn't happen to build? They were building contrarian Justin Jefferson lineups instead of uh, chalkier lineups with Cook in it. You know, like there's so many. Li- I I always say that you could you could build thirty thousand lineups that are that are plus EV that are fine. Right. Doesn't matter which whatever amount that you choose, 10, 3, 20 you choose. So you have to have a bigger sample of like just I'm studying two people. Uh, yeah, I so I echo everything you just said. It's important to look at at people who do this for a living and see what they're doing. Um, one of my favorite pieces of advice is don't take advice from people that you wouldn't want to be able to do the things that they do. Right. Cause, cause if people, you, if you wouldn't play their lineups, then right. Probably don't listen to them. Right. Yeah. yeah. So don't, don't take advice from people who don't have the things that you want. That's, that's where the saying goes. Uh, and, and to that fact, I would only say that I would then take it one step further and look at people who I respect and people that I want to emulate in terms of their play. Um, because there are certain guys, there are certain 150 maxers and certain pros that play in a very different way than I would like to emulate. When I was doing a lot of my study, um, before I started building out projection models, uh, I was studying guys like Dink. I was studying, um, petty theft. I was studying, Brandon Adams, like I I was studying these guys who I know are very algorithmically based because that's the kind of lineup structure that I would like to build. Whereas there's other guys who are more kind of like intuitive modeling, right? Like uh, Big T, Big T, for instance, he's a fantastic GPP player, but he doesn't build lineups that are based purely on projections and algorithms. He he uses his gut on a lot of things, takes a lot of stands. Tony is... I know he gives the appearance of like no, well, like I, okay, edge, whatever I he, he from, looks at projections plenty. No, 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 but but in terms of what the guys before that that I mentioned, you know, Petty Theft and Brandon Al- and Brandon Adams, those guys are like they will play their models point blank. Period. They're not taking stands; they're just doing what their models say. Whereas there there are other guys in the industry who I think take more stands and say, well, I'm going to change this a little bit. I'm going to fudge this projection a little bit so that I can get more of this guy. I know there are guys in the industry that do that. Well, you have Ricky D. I mean, Ricky D's, but Ricky D's a high variance play. Like, like yeah. Ricky D's a contrarian GPP player. Right. Like, 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 so like going by him, he typically, you have got out of, out of the sharper large field player pool, you have people that build very like linear portfolios, mm-hmm. meaning that the variance of all their lineups is like in a line, like, like, like the variance is like all the same. Yep. Then you have guys that don't mind taking on variants and go, I'm going to play max, max exploitative. And if I think this spot is under owned, like you, you could look, I'm, I'm just making it up. You could look and you know, and see that someone out of 150 lineups played like 70, half of their lineups were Daniel Jones stacks. Somebody like, go, somebody like, like what um, was it about? Like, it's like, well, they, they based on their, their simulations that you know they're looking for and their exact things they thought that was the most exploitable spot maybe not that great more than the next one but they're like no i'm just gonna i want as i want all the half my lines to have all the combos of this game and then if the game doesn't go off i'm you could live with the consequences of a minus 90 percent week and if it does if you if you are right you get paid way more than you should right and that's that is the kind of lineup style that I like to emulate. Those are the kind of guys that I really really like. So, 
Um, it, it's important to have an understanding, and and I say it probably more than I should at this point, but the goals of, of how you play and how you want to play should dictate the kind of lineup study that you do. Um, if your goal is to be a cash bro and to study cash game grinders, then you shouldn't really care that much about what the great GPP players are doing because it's a completely different skill set. It's an entirely different way of playing. So that that's the only way that I would uh, that I would add on to what you said. Um, I do think that it's important to understand who you want to be as a GPP player or as a cash player or as a DFS player in general, and uh, and study the players that you want to emulate um, and, and that kind of thing. It, it can be hard to have an understanding of who those players are that you should look at at first, right? Because because a lot of people, the, the conversation that you and I just had, we named off like six or seven different guys that we know how they play, but a lot of other people just look at them and say, oh, they're pro DFS players. Like they, they all play the same. So they don't. Absolutely. Not. Like Blender and I, we we have completely different right. styles on the way. Right, but also play. if you take a look at the one fit, like if you're going to go, I'm going to look at Whistle's lineups. How does he play? Like if you ask Whistles how he plays, he wouldn't even be able to tell you because nope. it's it's all just where he's. I mean, he's he comes from a PhD in optimi optimization, and he's just he's basically running. He's it's he's, a he's spending he's his time programming and just whatever comes. Like these are the lineups. Nerdy Tenor is the same thing. He'll yeah. well, I'm gonna play. This is what the, my system said. My highest. Yep. You know, a lot things should be, but this is what my portfolio should look like on this slate based on these numbers. And well, why'd you play this guy with that guy? Well, because that's what, <laughs> the, that's what it, that's what the algorithm. The, the, the answer to that is the black box said so. Right. That's the answer to that the black box said so. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, I guess the only thing, other thing that I would say is um, in order to really understand who you should be studying, you gotta, you gotta do a lot of study take, uh, it, it was something I think it was a couple of weeks ago where you were talking about what you used to do like eight years ago when you were first getting in and you would just study and watch YouTube videos and do all that. And it probably took like three months for you to even understand what different people were doing and that there were differences in, in how people were approaching things. I, I still didn't understand it even at that point. I mean, I was, yeah. but that was, I was playing soccer primarily, but I was, I didn't have projections. I didn't have anything. This is right. 2015, 2016. I'm just trying to figure out like what, this, why why was this six why was this guy 62% owned until I realized in soccer it's like oh a DraftKings scoring like wide players that cross the ball a lot they're worth more so he was worth he was underpriced for that like like and you go oh okay you start seeing you start seeing these trends and going well I'm gonna play this on this type of slate and then I see them playing the opposite I see like three players that I see in all my contests playing the, like the opposite construction like they're playing I'm playing a balance they're playing studs and duds on a side this is soccer though but i mean like why like right. finding and once you figure out the what what once you figure out the why you figured out that like once you, you some of the stuff you don't even need what you don't even need to figure out once you have like a reasonably decent projections and ownership where you understand stand the the blend between the two uh so it's like a lot of that study part is is you don't need anymore we have we i mean we have numbers. We we're we are converting player names into numbers for you, right? We are giving ownership for you, projected ownership at least. And the thing is, and I see questions in the YouTube chat about like you know Carolina had no defensive backs. Why were the Bucks passing game not highly projected? That's all. That all that stuff is in the model. Anything that would be relevant is in the model. And already, I can answer already that on weighed. Level if you want. 
Right. But if you want to, then change the numbers. Right. Doesn't mean you play Brady stacks. It doesn't mean you doesn't mean you do that. But if you're like, if you want to overweight for this particular thing, and so I'm just gonna bump up Evans a point and a half and Godwin a point and and Brady two points. Like I, you're doing it purely based on your own feel that you think that it's that it should be higher, even though if you back test it, everything should be more accurate doing it this way that's perfectly fine and then but the thing is is that don't look at the projection and go i'm gonna play a i'm gonna play a brady stack with a dj Moore run back and then treat that number as what it is change the numbers so let's say you bumped up brady three points and evans two point uh three points and godwin two points and whatever and then built the lineup and you go based base it on that projected number Maybe that projected number still isn't good enough. I mean, like, it, it it still isn't good enough, or it's way too good, and you use that as exploitative and say, I'm just going to play a ton of that and hope that my gut, that my oh, I'm overweighting a matchup is, is worthwhile. I, I believe that if you did this, of course, we're dealing with very small sample sizes, even in seasons of NFL. But if you want to do that, that's fine. But change, then just change the numbers. Right. I change the ownership numbers all the time. Right. We have we have Jimino, the hamster wheel, as I always say, the hamsters in the ownership projection model are are very are, are very accurate. They have a R squared. Of, that's pretty good. That's I mean, around the industry. I mean, it's not even here. I mean, if you go around, they're good. But I say I know better. I know human beings better. And it's like, no, this guy's. Stevenson's not going to be this high owned. He's going to be this low. The Sanders ownership goes down when that that news on his uh, knee brace comes in, right? So it's like, okay, I have to click this down a little bit. I don't think people are going to play Connor as much as what we have projected owned. I think more people. I think a lot of people are playing Brian Robinson and Tyler Algier. So I'm going to need to bump those ownerships up some. I'm on Rob St. Brown. It's like, is it going to be 30 or is it going to be 35 percent, 36 percent? How much Dorch is going to be played? Is he really going to be 16 or is he going to be 22? Like all of that matters. And I start, I'll change the numbers, but I'm not leaving the numbers as they are. And then running lineup saying, well, if this guy's going to be over on, I'm just going to play less of him. It's like, no, I'm going to change the number because I want to see my projection number and my ownership number. So once you have a way of changing player names into numbers, you don't have to look at the player names anymore. So if you're not changing the numbers, then now you're looking at the player names again. So. I'm not saying that it's correct or incorrect to change the numbers. But if you want to, if you if you want to have what James calls the intuitive model, like the extreme version of that is not having projections, right? And we mentioned this in the course, right, James? It's like you don't have projections at all. Like whatever. Well then go through every team and give and make make put a number on every player. Just say, well, what do I think the, the mean result, median or mean result is for Christian McCaffrey? Uh, 26? Okay, fine. Go go Now let's go to Tyler Algier. What what number? I don't know, 14? Okay, go to Miles Sanders. Oh, I think he's going to 18? Okay, good. Then do all of that. Then put it into, into lineup HQ, right? But, and then you have to do that for ownership also if you didn't subscribe to Roto-Grinders or anything. So now you have to go, I have to go through all the players and play all the, like, do that. Do that. 
And then once once you've converted player names into numbers, then you, the only reason you care about the player names is because of like correlation purposes. Now it's just mm-hmm. like, like I'm going to quarterback with two people and one and look at those types of lineup. But after that, you can just hide the name column and it doesn't matter anymore. Now, will your numbers in the long run have an R squared, which, you know, accuracy or correlation coefficient closest to actual compared to our model here at Roto-Grinders? Absolutely. It will be, it will be so far off, right? Long term that you're, you're, you're going to, you're, you're basically bleeding. You're probably going to bleed money away, right? Just based on that. Mm-hmm. So like, are you, are you uncertain? Yes. On certain weeks, you're going to be more right on a specific player or more right on a specific stack than the field. But you have long-term you're, you're almost, I mean, I can't even, James, could you see someone putting in numbers like that and having a better R squared than any model in the industry? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. No, but I could see them have a higher ROI than the people who use the projection. Well, on one, well, only because on one week they they sure. But, right, but well, that, I mean, is, that is a relevant point to make, and, right. and I do think that that is an important thing to say because um, the the next point that I will make is that while projections are very important, the goal is not to score the most point, or the goal is not to score a lot of points. The goal is to win the GPP. So while yes, your your R2 of just making assumptions about players and saying, oh, 26 here, 14 here, seven here, blah, 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 whatever. While that will almost with certainty be worse than what you find at Roto Grinders or just if you Google free NFL projections, like it's gonna be worse than that. But if you were to do that in a way that is exploitative, and if you were to do that in a way that says, okay, well. I think that Derrick Henry is going to score this many fantasy points because I think that the Titans will lose the game. Uh, and and like say say the Titans are like eight point favorites. And you right. 
hate the Titans. Like the Titans are the team that you hate in the NFL the most. You think they're boring. You think that Mike Vrabel looks like a foot, whatever. Like if you think the Titans suck and you think they're going to lose that game, then in your intuitive model, you're going to say, oh, well, Derrick Henry, when they lose, he only scores seven fantasy points. And because of that, that is being inherently ex exploitative, even if you're not doing it consciously, even if it's just like a mistake. But like, if you are putting things together in a way that helps you win the tournament, then I think that you are still okay to be doing that. Granted, you should just go get a projection set because you can do the same thing with projections and you can just say, I hate the Titans. I'm going to take this projection down. But, or you, you could, James, you could always say, I hate the Titans. I'm just going to X them out. And although you can build, like, I, I, I want to make, make it clear that, when I said before, you could build 30 fat, like someone could show me a lineup. I played this in the Millie, especially when we talk about large field. Mm -hmm. They could show me a lineup and go, was this a good lineup for the Millie? And as long as you're not like jamming in your cash lineup or you're not playing a lineup that's like God knows how low projected, like, and some, you have some amount of correlation, like just a quarterback. And, and you may not have any of that with fields or something. Like I could look at the lineup and go, yeah, that's probably, that, that, that was, <laughs> That's probably <laughs> profitable. So you could choose if you could build 30,000 of these types of lineups and say, well, on, in your example with the Titans and you go, well, 12% of these lineups have Derrick Henry and 2% of the lineups have uh, Robert Woods. And, when I, and you just say, I'm just, when, when you X out people in lineup HQ, think in those terms of like, I'm just choosing. Instead of saying, Derrick Henry can't possibly be in a winning lineup because I think the Titans are going to lose. He's going to have seven points. That's, 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 you're making predictions now and that you shouldn't be thinking, you should be thinking probabilistic. You should go, go. I think Derrick Henry's over owned for what I believe. I'm changing the projection. I'm moving. We have Derrick Henry as a 24 median projection. I'm putting him down at 16 as a median. I'll put him, hey, put him at seven, whatever, you if you want. Right, it'll be off, but you'll put it at seven. Like, dude, if you put him at seven and he's like eighty-eight hundred, like you're gonna get him in like no lineups, right? But there are lineups, even with his projection at seven, that could be plus EV. Now, there's not, there's probably not many, but you're just choosing to not play them, right? That's essentially what you're doing. It's like I'm just taking when I cross out a game, when I say, hey, I'm just not gonna play any of Carolina, Tampa Bay in my ten GPP lineups. I'm not saying that they're bad plays. I'm not saying that you can't play a Brady stack. I'm not saying that Evans is and Godwin and anyone in that game, you could build a plus EV play whoever you want, right? You can build a plus EV lineup with anyone. I'm not changing their projections even, right? I'm just going through going like, should what's the quicker thing to do? Change their projections and then not get any of them? Or just say, Instead of doing that, I'm just going to X them out because I'm going to be changing the projections to not get any. I mean, like, if I'm going to, I'm just choosing out of this bulk 30, 50,000 lineups to just ignore those lineups. And I know I could make those lineups, but I'm just going to choose to ignore because I'm going to focus on what I believe is a more exploitative game or players or whatever it is and live with my choice. When you play 150 lineups, you're much more likely to have a diversified portfolio. If you're playing in a lower variance way, not like Ricky D, high variance, and go, well, out of my 150 lineups, maybe I only have five Brady stacks. And maybe I have two Darnold stuff. Like, 
you'll have something like when when cheese Dave Potts and MLB people get people get so annoyed so often they'll you know the next day after cheese wins you know 100k on FanDuel and they'll go uh you never talked about the Tigers right like yesterday and you won with a a 4-4 with a Tigers deck and cheese goes I play every team <laughs> right and you, and you take a, and you take a look at his exposures and out of 150 lineups he only had the Tigers in two <laughs> right, it was just too, like, and typically with the other, if Boston was the chalk or something, it was a Tigers mm-hmm. four man with a Boston four man and and the chalk pitcher, and this yep. Tigers like two percent, five percent, zero point nine percent, like, and that, and he goes, like, the Tigers had like a three point two implied run total, total, like, who's playing the Tigers? It's and he's like, mm-hmm. like I play one hundred and fifty lineups. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have a little bit of everyone. I'm just gonna have more of the stuff that is better, but he's still going to, he's going to diversify so that you never know. You never know what happens, but those lineups will be properly leveraged, right? It's the shit, the unowned cheap stack with the, basically the chalk around it. So like you could just choose to ignore those lineups. You could just say, I'm just going to X that out and you're not doing anything wrong. You're choosing, you, you only have a certain amount of lineups you could play. And the more lineups that you add, the more risk you take on, right? Because you can only win first with one lineup. So as you add lineups to your portfolio, the EV, even if they were all equal, starts going going down and down and down and down and down. Because if this lineup wins, like you're competing against yourself for second and then competing against yourself for third and competing against yourself for fourth. So like the more lineups you play, if you want to play in a lower variance way, you typically play it. You, Play a lot of different types of things, a little bit more diversified. Some people don't mind playing in a high variance way by going, yeah, yeah. There, there's some 150 players I've seen that just literally just like they're playing 100% of this game, right? They play both quarterbacks, 50% each. It's like I'm playing Jared Goff, I'm playing Josh Fields. That's it. Playing the combinations that all all of the com- the three plus two, three plus one. One plus one, like all of those combinations, and then filling out the rest of the thing. Going, that's that's my lineup set. And if that if that game is is uh, ten to three, like then they just lose all their money, and then just it is what it is. Like to which I say, <laughs> just just go have one entry in in the two thousand dollar GPP and just choose a side. <laughs> I, I understand that like it's not usually that simple, but that's the way I would go. Um, I I did want to tie up really quick the idea of changing the numbers in projections and changing ownership. I think that when people use projections and when people use um, optimizers and such, you should be making making changes in your head to projections, even if you don't actually touch them in the in the projections, so that you can kind of get a deeper understanding of why you are playing guys. Like, it's so easy to just cross out the two lowest rgvs and hit optimize and just play a lineup like it's so easy to do that but you yeah, but you do... could but but theoretically but i mean you you could no sure fine but i think that you'll you will be a better player long term if you don't do that and you actually look at the projections and have an understanding like after you run run 100 lineups and then go see what it gives you and go in and look at the exposures and say, okay, I'm getting 100% Brian Robinson. I'm getting 100% Travis Etienne. I'm getting 90% Amon Ross St. Brown. And then think to yourself, okay, so those are going to be the guys that are going to be super highly owned. That's awesome. Great. Cool. I should have those guys in cash. 
Uh, if all of those guys are going to be highly owned, what's the best route to me winning a GPP? And then think through that as you are building your lineups. Like, okay, so I, it's going to be a lot of lineups that are going to have Amon Ross St. Brown and Brian Robinson. Like out of my hundred lineups that were built, I have 75 lineups that have that combination. So, okay, that's going to be a really highly owned combination. They project really well. Maybe I just want to separate them a little bit in parts of my portfolio. Or if you only have one lineup, maybe you don't want to play them together in that one lineup. So you give yourself a chance of avoiding that super highly owned combination so you can gain some relative value over the field. So that that's personally how I build out my like three max and stuff is I'll run through uh, all the combinations. I'll run a thousand lineups and I'll look and say, okay, who's who's showing up the most? Who do I really want to focus on? Who are the main pieces of this slate that I have to get right or wrong? Like what situations do I have to care about? And what roster construction am I getting a lot of? When you're doing that and you're not just looking at the numbers and saying, okay, well, what lineup projects the best? Go play that in cash. <laughs> That's not how you play GPPs. You, you need to have an understanding of how you win GPPs and how you win contests. And it's not always just playing the highest projected lineup unless it is week six of this year where you literally just got to play <laughs> your cash lineup and win GPPs. The way, the way that I I do it, like I played 10 lineups on DraftKings on uh, yesterday, and I'm playing the 153 max, the $200 sp single entry spy, the $200 spies, the $50 red zone. So I'm playing those 1,000 to 5,000 entry contests. I... I and I, I do this. I do the same when I play large field. I, I use what we call bands of risk. That, like, I'll let let me make a golf Amon Ross St. Brown lineup. And like, what what does that type of lineup look like? Right. right, right. So like, I'm probably not playing playing Garrett Wilson in it. Probably not playing Brian Robinson in it. So let me build let me build that or run a whole ton and find those at a certain ownership level. And go, okay, this is going to be a higher own lineup, but it's my variance of this lineup will be lower. Like this is, this is a, this is a lineup that for these contests, I could probably, I still have first place equity, but it's not, it's the distribution of my payout. Isn't going to be like dramatic. Like I may, this lineup, it's like, maybe if I don't get ceilings out of like, if that game doesn't go off and it's just like an okay game. Maybe, yeah, maybe I get a 3X, 4X or something like that. You know, okay. More often than playing like Brock Purdy and Desmond Ritter and, you know, like something really off the board. So I'm like, okay, well, I got that type of lineup. And then I go, let me make a Justin Fields lineup on the other side. Okay. Then I make that. Then I go, okay, let, what's the next? It's like uh, Mike White, right? With Garrett. Well, okay. People are going to play Garrett. Okay, I'm going to play Mike White, Garrett Wilson, Tyler Conklin, and I'm going to run it back with Kenny Walker. It's like, okay, how do I build this type of lineup? Well, this lineup could probably have Brian Robinson in it, but probably not Amon Ross St. Brown in it. Probably can't have Justin Jefferson in it, right? You, and you you build that lineup. It's like, is it the most contrarian lineup? No, but it's I'm going down the band of risk. When I get down to my Deshaun Watson lineups, right? That's when you, that's when you stop. <laughs> right, right. That's that's not. Oh, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna. Oh, out of five lines, like I could choose. But I think that's extreme. That is so by far the the most exploitative spot. I thought the most exploitative spot yesterday was um Kansas City, right? Playing Mahomes, Juju, and Kelsey. Did it work out? No, of course not. Uh, and uh, and running it back with uh with Sutton. So like, how do I build those lineups? It's like, well, once I build the lineup and I have like a single digit. Owned like 
4% owned Juju and like 11% owned Kelsey with like a 5% owned Mahomes. Give me Brian Robinson. Give me Tyler Algier. Maybe I have Garrett Wilson. I probably can't afford Amon Ra, right? So maybe I play the leverage game and play DJ Shark as leverage off of Amon Ra. Like you could build the line. You could just go through and build that lineup. But you have to understand that that's, that the Kansas City lineup, I think is the maximally exploitative, which means I think the Kansas City players are, are under-owned by more than some other players. So I, I don't mind eating some chalk in that lineup. Now I'm typically not just going through and plugging players in. I'm running like a hundred lineups of that configuration right. and then yeah. just picking out the one go this, um, let me go through. It's like, let me look at projection versus ownership. And I'm like, nah, okay, is this enough? Is this enough? And I could go all the way to the bottom of the list to find like the lowest owned like version of that. But it gives up like another like six points in projection. And I go, out of my 10 lineups, what am I designated this as far as my band of risk? I built, I had three Mahomes lineups out of my 10. So I built a lower variance version, a medium variance version, and a higher variance version. Like the, the lineup that has Mahomes, Kelsey, Juju, Amari Cooper in it. That's my, that's, that's the lower, that's the, that's the high variance lineup, right? That'll, you know, but the one that has like Garrett Wilson in it, like that's that's going in the $200 spy, right? That's higher projected, a little higher owned, but more more likely to cash than the one on the bottom. So, but that's portfolio dynamics. Like each individual lineup has to be plus EV, but the standard deviation of each lineup is different, right? So when, when Cheese plays the Tiger stack in that thing, that in the baseball contest, he has to know that this is basically a, a an $8 entry that is like going into the toilet like 99% of the time. Like just like it's most likely just flushing $8 down the toilet. But when but when it wins, it's not min cashing, right? When the Tigers do well, he's he's having a shot at a top 10 finish. It's just that the Tigers don't do well on this 14-game slate like 99% of the time. So it's like if he's going to spend his $8 there, he, he wants to balance it out by, uh, you know, the, the Coors game? Well, stacking the cores game with the the third highest owned pitcher, right? Where it's like, okay, if the, all if kind of a, the chalk game hits and whatever, maybe maybe it's a shot at first. So the first place equity goes down a bit, but like a top five hundred, top you know, top five percent finish rate, top eight percent, top eight ten uh, percent, you know, cash. He gets a lot more of those. So that eight dollars that goes in, it's like lower lower EV, but a lot of the EV is paid off on $8 turning into 24, mm-hmm. right? But the Tigers one is the $8 turning into nothing most of the time. So like when you build out portfolios and it's all dependent on your own personal risk tolerance on how you want to, you know, manage that from a diversification standpoint, that is what they're doing. But individually, the lineups have to be plus EV. You can't just go in and go, I'm going to play, I'm going to play a Watson. I'm going to, I'm going to go in. I'm going to play Deshaun Watson, Amari Cooper, and Joko with Brian Robinson, and then I'm going to I'm going to play uh, I'm going to play uh, uh, Josh Jacobs because no one's playing him against the 49ers, and Josh Jacobs and and Brandon Ayuk on the other side, and then also play like like the the some defense. I'm not the 49ers defense. I'm going to play a a one off of uh, Jerry Judy against the like you look through and you like. This lineup is like 22 points lower projected than so many of my other lineups. But oh, but but it's so contrarian, 
but it's so contrary. Like, do you, you, is the ownership worth the projection? If you think it is, that's fine. But how many of those lineups do you want to like? You can play them, but it's that's it. Those lineups are like the the cheese tigers types of line. Like, dude, like that that twenty dollars you're throwing into the milli or something like that. If it is plus EV, and you're gonna go, I think it is. It's like all of that EV is from when you win the million dollars. Like you yeah. and the like all all of that when it's like, oh, this is a let's say let's say if there was a way to put a number on it, it's a oh that's a dollar eighteen lineup. Right, that's a dollar fourteen lineup. I'm like, okay, it's like I'm playing dollar twenty six lineups, right? That may not win the milli often, but as often as yours, but comes cashes or five x's or ten x's a lot more often. And you go, well, no, I'm, I don't mind playing this high variance line. I, it's but most of that eighteen cents on the dollar that you make is is when you you, you play ninety nine thousand times and, and lose, and one time you win the milli or or come in the top 10, but you have to understand that's that's where the EV of that lineup comes from. And when you get down to a certain point, if it's too low projected and too high owned for that projection, now you're getting into the, now, now you're negative EV. Now, now you're minus EV. Now, now does it mean it never could win first place? A hundred thousand or whatever it is? No, just that over the course of time, it's not going to either cash enough, five X enough, 10 X enough when like, it all comes down and it's like it ends up being like a you know a 92 cent lineup, right? Which isn't even all that bad because that's pretty much the rake, right? That's half the rake right there. So like that's how you should be viewing the mindset of individual when people ask me, like, like I who what would you do in 20 lineups? I go, I would build 20 plus EV lineups. What 20 plus EV lineups you choose is up to you. Just make sure you're building individual lineups that are plus EV. And then from that point. You could choose how you want to diversify. You could certain slates. I'm just, I think this fighter is significantly underowned. And instead of building a balanced eight lineups, because I'm now I'm now I'm playing mostly smaller amounts of lineups. Maybe I choose to play this fighter in all eight of my lineup. Like I I think it's that good of a spot project for, for ownership standpoint that I'm just gonna I'm just nope. It's this it's the third fight of the night. $7,800 underdog that's, you know, 12% and probably I think should be 25%. And I just go, just play all eight. I could choose six. I could choose five. I could choose whatever I want. But I'm making the determination that compared to, I'm building lineups without that guy in it. Going, okay, that's plus EV. Oh, that's plus EV. But it's like, like, dude, this is, I think, exploitatively, I pref- vastly prefer these lineups with that guy. So I'm just going to play eight versions of it. And if that guy gets knocked down in the first minute, then I just like, I just close the laptop and move on. I mean, like you just live with the results. Yep. But at that point, how many lineups you play is not, that's not a basis of how you should judge what lineups you build, how many lineups that you play until you build one, just build one, just build one plus EV lineup. And you go, okay, now build another plus EV lineup. Okay. Now build another one. Okay. And, but, but, uh, I'm only playing three lineups. Well, build 30, hand build them, right? Just hand, let's go. Okay. Look at the projection. You can do that in lineup HQ with this little sidebar lineup optimizer and go, I'm going to plug this guy in, then that guy in, then, oh, I have this much for tight end. And you plug it in and then you take a look at the projection number and the ownership number. And you go, do you think that's commensurate? Okay. Then 
add it to your saved lineups and just do do that. Spend an hour. Do that for do 30 lineups like that and just go through that and then go to your, the, the save lineups and go, which three do I want to play right today? Like you built there and maybe you find it's like, oh, maybe I should. And then you find your in order to get this ownership number down, you tend to be like, wow, like like 60 percent of my save lineups have this one guy in it. Because it's a little higher projected versus owner. And then you go, maybe I want to play him all, all three of my lineups. Like, like then, then you make those types of things instead of just like, oh, I'm going to build 30 lineups by like setting the build number to 30 and then choosing exposures or whatever. No, focus on individual lineups. Until once you get good at that, then you could start going, I want to build a hundred lineups. And how do I, how do I manipulate the lineup HQ in order to, to be, be more efficient for me? But at the end of the day, Build just build one, then build two, then build three. Right, James, you build three. I built ten. Right, mm-hmm. like it. It. I could build fifty. I what I do with fifty, I typically build three thousand, and then I choose fifty from those. Right, like, like that's that. If you're not used to using the tools well, if you're not used to building one lineup well, two lineups well, like, dude, don't don't come into a, a lineup HQ and go like, I think I could just set exposures and generate 20 i'm playing 20 max i'm just gonna do 20 lot 10 percent five percent like dude i think i think it would be better for you if you just hand built the 20 i personally think it would be better if you hand built 100 and then chose 20 right or handle 40 and then chose to and then if you choose to do that bands of risk then you could go through and go let me sort by projection look at the ownership and go i want to grab two from this zone two from that zone two from this zone and then you have a a standard deviation difference in your entire portfolio. If, if you want to be balanced or you may just choose. Yeah. I'm playing well within my bankroll. I'm playing 1% of my bankroll on a slate. And you go, yeah, if I think this is a spot to like, just shove my chips in. Cause I think the EV is much higher. I'll take a shot. Right. There you go. Like it, 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 it it's much more simpler than people think. More simpler. Is that, is that improper grammar? Am I not that supposed to say more simpler? It doesn't matter, but yeah, okay. it's improper. Uh, we have a couple questions that we should probably get to. Um, let's see. So first, uh, just like a very small, short answer to Greg Roseberry for the Carolina question with them having their DBs out. Uh, he asked, Carolina had no DBs. Why wasn't the Bucks passing game highly projected? Um, from a modeling standpoint, uh, Tampa Bay has mostly been terrible for weeks. Uh, and when you're utilizing current season data to build out projections and baselines, um, it's pretty hard to get Carolina to look really, really good in a projection set. That's where you have to go in and say, I think that Carolina's defensive backs are just going to be the water boys. And I'm going to bump up projections of Tampa Bay. Um, there was no way to, to algorithmically make Tampa Bay look really good. Uh, do you guys ever take a stand on playing players from certain games? Or you just trust projections that have that baked in already. I think we talked through a lot of that today. Um, there, there are some people, like I said, intuitive models that they'll, they'll take stands on certain things. Uh, but I think Blender and I talked through what we do quite a bit. Uh, what's the balance of emulating the most profitable players and being contrarian enough to exploit their commonalities? I want to, I want to, I want to answer this. Go for it. And, uh, we we have another show after us, so so we, we kind of have to yeah, get out of here. Yeah, I'm trying to run through. Yeah, right. Uh, I would suggest watching uh, the show from uh, Friday, right? Friday or Thursday? Friday. Yeah, right. Friday shows. Where does the money come from? 
uh, or I could get a watch tomorrow. I'll, I'll get into more, more into that, but it's, it's a, on a similar thing. Where does the money, the money doesn't come from uh, the being different from the profitable players. It comes from the unprofitable players. So it's like being at a poker table with like you're playing nine handed and there's four other very good players that are almost better than you, but there's four players that are worse than you. Right. Like the money doesn't come in and exploiting the four better players to come in. It's just getting your, getting enough of your fair share from the four worst players. So if it gets to the point where all that's left are 150 maxers that know how to play DFS, then there's that probably no one could beat the rake at 15%. So like thinking, thinking more in line with that mentality. And, but there are exploits in exploiting good players in certain contests. But if you're playing large field GPPs, all the money, where does the money come from? It comes from the bad line. It comes from just objectively bad lineups. And there's still enough in there that essentially we're just all just build plus EV lineups and try to be the, and let variance go in your own way. So that's why studying the, the, the sharper, more profitable players long-term, like if you're building lineups similar to them, you're like, you're sitting there in the crowd. It's like the, being at the wedding with the, you know, the, the, the flowers are coming. It's like, you're there. Everyone's there. Everyone's there waiting for the flowers or whatever. And hopefully, hopefully you get it more often than that, but it's, it's coming from the bad play. It's coming from the bad lineups. If you go through, if you go through your contest and you can't find, find bad lineups that are low projected or too high owned, find, find better content. I mean, like yeah. they, they, but currently in large field, there's no, that, that, that doesn't exist. That there, there, there's way, there's still way too many either low projected or high owned. I would argue that basically every single contest you're going to find ways to exploit it. Like in the large field stuff, you're exploiting the, 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 the mix of what Blender just said in the larger field stuff, you're getting the money from the people who are building bad lineups in the smaller field stuff. Um, you, you're finding commonalities and you're exploiting it. So it's about, right. And, and, and I'm going to talk about this tomorrow because we talked yeah. primarily about cash games on Friday and GPPs. Where does the money come from? We'll, we'll, we'll talk about tomorrow. And if you have a question, if you're watching this now or you're listening to it later, uh, questions at theoryofdfs.com. I, I will I will answer every question. If you have a question about tools, DFS strategy, if you can't make it here, the YouTube chat or whatever, uh, just email them in. I I, ha- I already have a backlog over here in my email, right? So like you could just, they, they will be answered, right? At some point, right? It may, it may be a week or two or whatever, but I will go through and in certain topics and this person as in, and we'll go through, we'll go through whatever. If you have a question, if you're just like new here and it's like, well, I didn't even listen last week. And and you ask a question that I literally answered last week. I will either, we, we will title the shows so I could then say it will be good to watch this show. And then we can still go over it again. So like, even like four months from now, where does the money come from? Maybe we, we talk about that again, four months from now, like type of thing. So, so don't, don't hesitate. If this is like your entry point into DFS in general or the show as a whole, to just just email them in. And if you can't make the YouTube chat, obviously you could always throw it in the YouTube chat. But if you have anything that I did not in the YouTube chat that I didn't answer that you still want answered, email them in because I can't. I'm not going to save the YouTube chat. So James, uh, people could find you at uh, paydirt underscore DFS. Paydirt underscore DFS on Twitter. PaydirtDFS.com for all the models. I'm building out apps this year. Go check out the video on YouTube. Blah blah blah. Thank you. And as always, pick up Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, either the Fundamentals Masterclass or the Advanced Players Course at theoryofdfs.com.
Facebook.com. Hit that thumbs up button. Give me the thummy thumbs on your way out the door. And I will see you tomorrow answering your DFS strategy questions Monday through Friday, 10 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. 